America. My name is Aimeose Frimpong, and you are watching The Black Athenians. I come to you every Friday uh, to try to give a quality of political education that you might not get in your K-12 school or even your university. I teach at UGA where I'm a grad student in philosophy, and I feel like we're laboring, and it's not just I feel like I have a strong sense that we're laboring under an underdeveloped notion of freedom. And... Every Friday, I try to develop our notion of freedom in a way that, you know, might help us actually be free. Because black people, if you haven't noticed, we're not free. And if you haven't noticed, we're kind of confused about how all of this works. So this is what I do. And we're going to today, we're going to talk about patriarchy because Ice Cube has got a little trouble because uh, he had a plan for, you know, black community uplift. And I've read the plan. It's actually not the worst plan. It's not everything I would have wanted, and like there's some stuff in there that I think could have moved, been moved down, but it's actually not the worst plan. He had a plan. He pitched it to both camps. The Biden campaign uh, told him to just kind of hush and wait until the election, and the Trump was like, all right, well, come and talk to us. We'll work it out. And so he went to talk to the Trump, Trump people, and then he was called a patriarch for being willing to go talk to the Trump people. All right, and, and I was like, well, I don't think that's how but people don't know what patriarchy is. And so I'm going to have to explain that to them. And then what happened is Kamala Harris's people uh, said, all right, we'll talk to you. And he's like, great. When can we get a one-on-one? -on -one? He's like, no. Nah. And then Kamala Harris's people are like, no, we don't want a one-on-one. -on -one. We're going to do a, like a group Zoom meeting with a whole bunch of black entertainers. And you could be one of them. And he's like, nah, you can miss me with that. I have a, I have a particular plan that I want to talk to and I don't want to be anyone, I don't want to be a screenshot or a meme on someone else's campaign. So if you want to talk to me about this plan, that's fine. If you just want me to be one of a 30 people in a, in a, uh, in a Zoom chat where everyone's spitballing, like what ideas and seeing what sticks with you, then I, that's a waste of my time because this time is actually worth something. I know black men trying to think that their time and effort is actually worth something is a little bit of a controversial uh, uh, sentiment, but apparently Ice Cube is under the impression that his time and his energy is actually worth something. So he didn't, he didn't want to do the group Zoom meeting with all the other black entertainers. <laughs> he didn't want to be next to Flavor Flav and Will I Am, trying to say like, well, you know what you gotta do for black people. No, he's got a particular plan. He wanted to pitch it to Harris, and if like when and the Harris team, and when they're willing to talk about that, then he'll do it. But. He's just not willing to be a campaign commercial. So I actually don't mind. I think, I think his cube is, cube is fine. But then people were telling me that Cube is a patriarch for willing to, being willing to sit with Trump. Look, Crime Bill Joe, that, that guy, he put so many black people in jail. And then like Kamala Harris literally spent her entire career putting black people in jail. There are no black people in San Francisco. And there were before, and now they're not. And like a lot of that's because she put black people in jail. And I guess everyone has to do a job, but you can do a lot of things with a law degree besides put black people in jail. And but she chose that way. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know what Ice Cube owes to Kamala Harris or Joe Biden. I don't know what black men owe to Kamala Harris or Joe Biden. Whatever. And I, you know, Trump is Trump. I don't, he, he, I, I, I mean, I have problems with Trump. I just also have problems with Biden and Harris. So I'm not, I, I actually think, I, I'm, I think 
I think Ice Cube did what he was supposed to do, and he got p called a patriarch for the trouble, and, and that's what I don't like, and that's what I'm going to talk about a little bit today, because I think we're confused about what patriarchy means. Um, and so I, I made... Uh, good news is, for people I also teach, and so I, I make slides for my class, because the class needs to know stuff. So I was trying to explain patriarchy to my to the students because I don't want I just don't want people to be confused about life. And so when I explained it to the students, I, I came up a little. Uh, so patriarchy isn't what you think it is. Paternalism is men talking down to women, especially those who are they're related to, who they're paternal towards, talking down to women and taking taking away their power for their own good. Right? That's paternalism. Patriarchy is one subset of men who control institutions, like using violence to control everybody, often with the help of in-group women, and the biggest targets of patriarchy are going to be out-group men. So... Don't confuse these two pictures. One of them's paternalism. It needs to go. It's condescending. It's often, but it's often for their own good. No, patriarchy isn't for the oppressed's own good. Patriarchy is for the power of the oppressor, right? So don't confuse paternalism with patriarchy, number one. And so if you actually understand patriarchy in a rich way, you understand that black men are actually the targets of patriarchy. They're not patriarchs themselves. If patriarchy is about institutional power, what institutions do black men run? I'll wait for the answer. No, really, what institutions do black men run? Right, so I don't, so this is a, yeah, I don't, I, like, you can't name one because we don't run any institutions. Um, and we are on the bottom end of a lot of institutions. So it turns out we have anti-patriarchal attitudes and you're saying like, no, what about, what about, no, what about the data? Right? So here is, um, uh, feminist by the name of, uh, Evelyn Simeon. She's a political uh, scientist. She's written a few times where she just like looks at, and this is in her book on black feminism. She's like, well, you know, the attitudes of African-American are, on the whole, more liberal and progressive than the attitudes of African-American women towards black feminist tenets. So even if black men aren't necessarily feminist, <laughs> they have more, uh, like, I, I don't, I, like, I think the problem is uh, gender. Gender in general, either manhood and womanhood. So, like, I don't really, I, I don't think feminism actually is understand, like, gets it right. And if you, if you don't look at the problems with womanhood, womanhood, you don't look at how women standing on womanhood actually do really bad anti uh, labor and anti racial justice work. So it's it's woman, it's women standing on womanhood who kept schools segregated. Um, you know, as a rights for mothers worried about the safety of their child and they keep neighborhoods segregated. And, um, so like, and there is, and there's no sort of black or alt feminism that can actually deal with the problems of womanhood as it's been received. Right. So I am, I think womanhood causes as many problems as manhood. 
and in some ways more because they're undiagnosed. Whereas like you could say all the bad things you want about men. Um, but yeah. Uh, and so like they, I think bad racial and bad labor politics actually gets shunted and covered under the privileges and entitlements of womanhood. So I'm not really a, uh, uh, a feminist because I actually believe that both people who take conservative patriarchy and liberal feminism too seriously or like seriously end up being bad for black communities. However, and then also here's another piece of data that says that black men are actually dope. Here we go. Black men. Uh, so we actually, and this is, uh, yeah, this is, people always think that women are the most compassionate. It turns out that if you're really the victims of patriarchy, you don't have the, the same political attitudes as patriarchs, right? So we do not have the same political attitudes as patriarchs. Like that is the case. And, and some people say, you know, a lot of black feminists will say, you know, well, black men, if they had power, they would be patriarchs. No, actually, if that's the truth, they would have the same political attitudes as patriarchs. Like they're not, black men are not frustrated white men. Like that's, that's, we actually have a fundamentally different politics. And another bit of this Simeon quote is that, um, our attitudes are actually plastic insofar as what homophobia is in among black men. It's actually not, it's, it's, it's because we get a lot of our, we don't control any institutions, including media. So we get a lot of like nonsense coming from white media, but then it's, since we're also the victims of, of patriarchy, it's plastic. insofar as like we meet a gay dude and we're like, Oh, okay. It turns out it's cool. Like, so they're not I, I, like any regressive attitudes aren't stabilized in black men. They're gone by the time we experience anything like, so we're actually, and this is why black men are, you know, one of the most progressive, maybe the most progressive uh, revolutionary demographic in the United States. I mean, according to this, it's more than women. So how can you account for the stickiness of patriarchy, which is the rule of one subset of men over another? Well, there, there are two, two theses I'm going to give you for that, right? A rule of one subset of men over everybody, usually with the help of in-group women. But one is that we're not honest about the division of risk and the division of labor, right? So the question, I'll be very clear. Why do white women uphold patriarchy? That is white women. And why do black women more than black men uphold patriarchy, uphold patriarchy, like, and there are going to be two reasons. One, uh, actually three reasons. I'll start with the, the easiest one to get ahead of. We're not, we're not honest about the division of risk and the division of labor. We have found a way men eat a lot more risk <laughs> in this society. Like that's what this, I had a, um, a graphic of, and I put it up before. Oh, here it is. Yeah. Like this is a, a graphic of risk. <laughs> this is a graphic of risk. This is the incarceration rates. This is pretty much who eats risk in society. Um, not labor risk. Risk is tied to labor in some way, but this is pretty much who is living the riskiest life. Unless you think that black men are just born criminals. Like we just end up 
like engaging in like in behavior that uh, like ends up in cages. Right. So we are just laboring under risk. We also don't live as long. We have higher homelessness rates. We're losing at everything. So if we are patriarchs, we are the most incompetent patriarchs in the history of the known world because we don't we get 30 percent of the degrees from uh, associate's degree through PhD. We only get 30 percent of them. So we're just incompetent patriarchs. No, we're not patriarchs. Like that's like patriarchy is about any kind of institutional power. And we don't, we don't have any institutional power. And if you say like, well, what about in the home? Black men are king of their home. Man, what, what household, what home are you talking about? Like black men barely have homes. And like, like I don't understand. So if this is a distribution of risk in society, then, uh, you know, white women want to keep that distribution of risk. And if we're a patriarchal society, then they're going to want to keep, they're going, they're going to want to keep the ability to call the cops on anyone who makes them nervous, right? They don't want to be mansplained to, but they want to be able to call the cops and sick white guys on other people. That's, that's, the, <laughs> that's one of the, the provinces of womanhood. And they don't want to ask out, like, in the distribution of risk, the risk goes all the way down to even asking out people for dates. They don't want to, like, that's risky behavior. And the bad side of that is there's a distribution of labor. So if you talk, if you deal, and I do read a lot of feminist work, and feminists are very good about talking about the inequalities in the distribution of labor. They are really bad about talking about the inequalities in the distribution of risk. And that's a problem because... Risk often sets the table for labor. I take the risk, so you do the work. Uh, and a lot of people say, "Like, all right, that's that sounds like a good that sounds like a good plan." And then they'll complain about the work, but then not want to take the risk also. So, like, that's going to be the problem. And there's a way in which there's a this is one thing that capitalism, in a way, kind of gets right. The person who secures everybody else's paycheck should get to profit for like being on the hook for securing everybody else's paycheck. So the owners should get profit. It's not just about the work. It's about the risk. The problem with capitalism is that now like, we're at such an advanced stage that the owners have figured out a way to socialize the risk and, get, and, and, and spread the risk around to other people and get like, either the government or some other more vulnerable population to eat their risk for them. So they, they, they get paid for taking the risk while shunting off the risk to more vulnerable populations um, or getting the government to subsidize their risk. So that's going to be the problem. But the theory, actually, that the people who get the risk should be rewarded for the risk they take, that actually makes sense, right? And you exchange risk for work, that actually makes sense. And if you just talk about labor and you don't think about risk and what a fair distribution of risk uh, and equal, across genders looks like, then it's going to look like women get a bad sh um, uh, deal. But if you do look like at, at what a fair distribution of risk looks like, then the, then the picture becomes more complicated. The picture becomes more complicated. I mean, this should, like, we don't live as long. Like, that's, that should be the first clue that if you're the oppressed class and you're living longer than your oppressor and in a more comfortable lifestyle, <laughs> that, that should be, and have lower blood pressure. Like, that, those should all be hints that maybe there's a, there's a, a deeper issue. So, I mean, this, the notion that, that in-group women and to an extent, extent outgroup women like have something invested in patriarchy goes all the way back to when you look at data from the 1932 Hitler elections. They're like, why did all these WASP women, white Anglo-Saxon Protestant women vote for the most patriarchal party 
openly patriarchal party in, in, in Germany. I don't understand that's the case. Well, because the openly patriarchal party was willing to eat all of the risk in securing the nation. That's what they ran on. Right? So women were like, yeah, we'll send the men to fight. All right, so the one, so the first reason why women are going to be invested in patriarchy that's not obvious and why you can't really look at woman and womanhood as like a counter-revolutionary demographic is because we have to talk about the distribution of risk that actually favors them. The second reason is going to be similar, but um, I'm going to take it down to evolutionary biology. I don't give a lot. So these aren't normative arguments. Normative arguments are arguments about why we should do something. I don't think we should have a patriarchy. I'm not in favor of a patriarchy, but I can give a descriptive argument about what accounts for the standing patriarchy as it is, even if I want it gone. Right? And for normative arguments, you actually have to think through problems. But for people who don't think, then this is how they act. So people who don't think, they're controlled by... Uh, pleasure, because there's a lot of there's a lot of reasons to do something, right? So you can ha you could be moved by the truth, and you could be moved by thought and reason, or you could be moved by other things, pleasures and and advantages and comfort and all these other things. So there are lots of reasons to be moved. So usually I talk about why people should be moved. Now I'm going to talk about a different argument about why what actually moves people in a way that uh, we need to probably disabuse them of, and that's the evolutionary argument. About like, look, if you look at nature, like other brute animals, insofar as sexual selection is a thing and sexual selection is a thing, women who care about the reproduction of the species and like have to do labor, pick men based on their ability to protect uh, the, the, the family and provide for the family. Right? And this isn't true in all animals. Like you got hyenas and, and lions who the women do the hunting. But, for, but often you'll find it being the case that uh, sexual selection drives uh, patriarchy and sexual competition drives violence among men, right? So you can have an argument for patriarchy that like, well, men are just violent. Or you can have the argument uh, for patriarchy that like, no, Women select violent men because they want to be protected and provided for by the men's violence. <laughs> so that, that's a different argument for, that's a, so that doesn't place blame necessarily on the men. And in humans, since we're free, this is, these are choices. It's not like biologically, it's not a, a natural selection such that, you know, you just find the violent provider more attractive. No, this is like you're choosing. <laughs> you like look at your options. You think of a life where you could marry someone who's going to be, who's willing to do whatever it takes to keep you comfortable and um, provide, or you cannot. And if you look at assortative mating uh, data among, you know, Americans, women do not marry down. And this is why a lot of black people just do not marry, but women do not marry down. They marry the same or they marry up. Men kind of marry around whatever they think is hot. Women do not marry down. And what is that? And so, like, that kind of evolutionary logic sustains patriarchy insofar as people don't always think. Now, if they thought, they would kind of get rid of patriarchy. Now, and also, since um, so 
so the stickiness of women's politics. Also, you have to understand that as a colonial artifact, manhood and womanhood, as we understand them now, are class markers. What it is to be a woman or what it is to be a man is also to be above the gender egalitarian savages, right? So a lot of women's rights advocacy started out being like, we could be just as good a colonizers as men. Let us colonize the savages alongside men. And what separates us is that we, we are different. Um, we colonize in different ways, but uh, we'll teach school. You'll hunt, like we'll, we'll colonize in different ways, but the family project of colonizing among the European family over the gender egalitarian, ungendered savages is uh, who are male and female, like beasts of burden are male and female, but aren't civilized Europeans. Um, that is what kind of drove the gendering of even common gender notions that we've kind of in, inhabited today. Um, right? So people look down upon gender egalitarian folks um, because that's somehow a sign of not being civilized. And I think that's a problem for a variety of reasons. And I mean, when I talk to students about this, I'm like, look, they'll say like, well, if I want to pick a gender egalitarian marriage and they want to pick a gender uh, inegalitarian marriage, then I'll do what I do and they do what they do. And that's fine. And then when I talk to students, I'm like, all right, so let's say the scenario, the scenario is you're a hiring manager for a company. You can be a lady hiring manager for a company. Like it doesn't matter. You're a hiring manager for a company and you have three candidates in front of you. One woman who um, you're in the South, so like people think about you know patriarchal marriages as just the appropriate way to do because we're conservative Christians. And so you're in the South and you're hiring for Chick-fil-A and you know you're going to have to, for a regional manager, and you know you're going to have to invest like $100,000 in training them. You have one woman who's like 25 years old and uh, probably looking to get married. You have another guy who's 25 years old who's looking to get married. And you have another woman who's 25 years old three two women and one guy and the assumption is you want someone you're going to invest a hundred thousand dollars in them you want them to work for you for 10 15 years and that'll be a good return on your investment now if you're in a society where patriarchal marriages are normal who are you going to pick right and you're a hiring manager well do you want to pick one of the women and gamble that they might end up in a patriarchal marriage, in which case, at any point in time, they could go home and their husband can say, like, well, you know, we got COVID, so I'm going to need you to, to quit your job and, and homeschool the kids, which will not be particularly good for, um, uh, you know, the bottom line of the company. Or do you pick the guy who, no matter what kind of marriage they're in, you know that they're going to decide things. Either they're going to go home and say, like, honey, I'm the head of the household, the white guy, I'm the head of the household, and I, uh, I, I say that, uh, you know, I got to work 60 hours a week, so you take care of our six kids. Or, right, so you, you'll pick the guy because that's, as a fiduciary responsibility to the shareholders, that's a better return on the investment of training one of these people, right? So that's how other people's patriarchal arrangements actually screw up I think a better politics because who gets punished for this is the woman who's not in a patriarchal relationship, but looks like someone who is 
but is going to get chosen against. Right. So we talked about sexual selection choosing for the patriarch, but this is how in civil society it works out um, um, against women. Right. So you have to look at sexual selection as a driving force for non-thoughtful people who want to be provided for because it's a, it, I mean, it's infantilizing, but you're off the hook of like ultimate decision for like provision and protection. You could always just call the guy to go sick. You can sick the guy and either kill the mouse in the house or like go kill the Negro who's walking on the street. You can just sick guys. You want to call the police and just sick. And that's a privilege of womanhood that um, is secured by patriarchy. Insofar as patriarchy is the rule of men with the help of women over everyone else, especially targeting for violence outgroup men because they're threatening. Right? So unless you expect women to give up that entitlement, we need to have more honest conversations about the entitlement of women. The good news is once we actually understand women as perpetrators of harm, we'll actually be able to get at child abuse and bi-directional domestic violence in a different way. Because actually in black households and an actually working poor household that are more gender egalitarian, the violence is bi-directional. It's people fighting. And, but we don't talk about it as people fighting because the discourse is determined by upper-class women who actually experience patriarchal violence. Um, not people fighting because of external stresses, but because of like guys trying to exert power. I'm the man of this household. That's not black. That's not black life. Um, I have a, another piece of, you know, when you talk about this stuff, you have to get all of your data ready because people are like, but you know, obviously black men are bad. No, 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 no. Um, okay, uh, so what do, you, what do you take from this lecture? Patriarchy is the rule of one subset of men over everybody else with the most violence uh, arm aimed at outgroup men. Black men are actually really progressive. Really progressive and more progressive than women and even black women. Um, this is Evelyn Simmons, Evan, Evelyn Simeon, not me. Just look, she's a black feminist. She wrote this. It just happens to be true. And it's backed up by numerous studies because in a different, in a completely different study, you'll have this. Now this is comparing black men to white women, right? All right. And also, why would women, um, why do women have such regressive politics? Well, because of the division of risk works in their favor. And, and, and sexual selection, the evolutionary argument is like, look, I'm going to pick the guy who's going to provide and protect for me. Why would I not do that? That's great. Now, it gets complicated in the modern context because provision and protection isn't necessarily material. So what's being provided? You got a lot of depressed people and you got a lot of people who are, what's being provided and what's being protected? Well, their self-identity. This is the modern context with free people. So like, who's going to protect my self-identity? I'm going to pick them. Who's going to protect, who's going to provide meaning for my life? I'm going, to protect, I'm going to pick them. So it's not necessarily tied to money in a modern context because it's not really about um, 
the threats aren't all material. So if you just try to track the sexual selection for provision and protection to money, it'll be a, it's not going to it's not going to it's not going to make as much sense um, because you have to think about what people are selecting to provide and protect, and it might not be material. It might be uh, ideological or attitudinal. Someone who makes me feel a certain sort of way, even if that way is not just. I need someone who makes me feel like a lady. Even if that way is not just, it makes me feel a certain sort of way. So that's going to be the problem with um, finding something like, uh, I need someone who makes me feel safe, even if I'm not under threats, in any th in any, uh, under any threat. So it's not about actual threat. It's about feelings in a way and, and different and other kinds of attacks that are not material in the modern context because Let's say you're a woman who comes from old money. You, you're not really worried about starving, but you are worried about threats to your identity, and you want someone who's going to protect threats to your identity in that way. Right? And so that's sexual selection. Look, if patriarchy didn't get guys laid and paid, you think there'd be as much, like, you think the American, like, our, our American politics would be patriarchal? Like, no, but patriarchy works for white guys. It doesn't, get, it doesn't work for... Um, black guys, but it works. I mean, because like, that's not the structure of patriarchy, but it works for white guys, and it works because it works for white women. It works for white guys because it works for white women. And insofar as you have a lot of black women who have aspirations to live the lifestyle of white women, like I think Shonda Rhimes, for example, and maybe even Oprah, probably destroyed more black like marriages than uh, and relationships. Than, than, than crack and the drug war. Like, I, I, I think it's just filling people with wholly undeveloped and inadequate notions of what to expect out of a black partner. And, uh, you know, I, I, the funniest story I had about this, I'll leave this with the story. The funniest story I had about this was a few years ago, uh, I was helping out this uh, girl. She had just gotten out of college. She was just saying, like, you know what? I just need to find a nice guy. She was 23 years old, just gotten out of school. I just need to find a nice guy just with a regular job, like a, just a nice, and she was black and she was talking about just a nice, I just want to find like a nice black anesthesiologist, someone like that. And I'm like, lady, uh, oof, do you, you want a unicorn? Do you know how many black anesthesiologists there are? <laughs> like, like, I don't know. And there's so many that they don't have to be nice. But like, they're like, and do you know how f many other black guys there are? You need to find a nice guy who like cooks, good with the kids, because um, black women do better on the job market than black men. So this idea that patriarchy is held by black men is like empirically unfounded. It's just it's it's in the anecdotes of of a lot of of folks on the make, because the easiest way to make money and to make a name for yourself is to poop on black men. Meanwhile, we're out here trying to be revolutionaries. And with that, hey, if you like anything I say, you know, you have to understand that depending on who you talk to, what I say is making me down white unemployable. So go ahead and go to www.thefunkyacademic.com or funkyacademic.com and put in five, fifteen, or fifty dollars a month. I like the monthly donations because that way I can budget, and um, it'll keep me doing what I do because I want to try to 
I think we're laboring under an underdeveloped sense of um, freedom. And I'm trying to do my part as the cultural intervention to develop that sense of freedom so that we have, that we all are more free and live a better life. All right. Thank you for your time. I'll leave you with the out. Peace. If you appreciate the work I do every week and you think that I should continue to do it because I'm giving you the quality of political knowledge and insight that will help you not squander your life and kind of rescue meaning from it, then go ahead and go to www.funkyacademic.com and kick in five, fifteen, or fifty dollars a month, or make one enormous donations. I like the monthlies because it allows me to budget more, and that'll help me, you know, with a marketing budget or getting better equipment that works all the time. Because a lot of, in a lot of ways, freedom means having equipment that works every time you turn it on. <laughs> and I want to be a free Negro, so. Um, if you like what I do, go to funkyacademic.com and contribute. Thanks often comes in the form of cash. And the site takes credit cards. If you appreciate the work I do.